0: You're listening to episode number 22 of Strike the Match. In this episode, my guest is professor and missiologist, Dr. David Seals. Later this month, InterVarsity Press releases his next book, Changing World, Unchanging Mission. And in our conversation today, we discuss this work. So with that in mind, let's...
1: Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses
0: matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. If you guys have been reading any of my uh, writings or have heard me speak uh, before, you know that uh, one of the statements that I often make is that we need to be students of both uh, God's Word and God's world. And so uh, today I have uh, someone with me here uh, on the program uh, who is a dear friend of mine, and he has just recently finished writing a book that uh, is educating us about God's world uh, in light of His Word. And uh, I want to introduce you to uh, Dr. David Seals. Uh, Dr. Seals is the uh, founder and president of Reaching and Teaching International Ministries, and he is a missions professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He served as a missionary in Ecuador, and uh, he is a scholar on a multitude of levels uh, through his writings of articles and books, some of which you may have already been exposed to. He wrote uh, The Missionary Call, Finding Your Place in God's Plan for the World, and also uh, a book entitled Reaching and Teaching, A Call to Great Commission Obedience. And then just recently he co-authored a work, uh, An Introduction to Global Missions, with uh, Zane Pratt and Jeff Walters uh, as well. And if you guys don't have... Uh, any of those uh, books, I would encourage you to, to check them out. They're excellent, excellent reads. And so uh, David's been a friend of mine for many years. Uh, he uh, and I shared office space on the same, same floor, and he and I have had many cups of uh, coffee at the local Cuban restaurant there in Louisville, Kentucky. So David, welcome to Strike the Match. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Man, it is so good to see you, and uh, David and I were just talking before I started the recording that uh, it's uh, cold and snowy in Louisville, Kentucky right now, and so you're snowed in, right?
1: We are snowed in right now. I just got back the other night, and it had already snowed us in before I got back, so we're not even shoveled out yet.
0: And, and where, you were, where were you in the world?
1: Uh, most recently I was in Oaxaca. Was in, went straight from Philadelphia down to Oaxaca, and so it was beautiful down there for three or four days and flew back into this.
0: Uh, every time I talk to David, it's either, hey, I'm getting ready to leave the country, or he's in another country when I'm communicating with him. And so so you're a busy man. Um, I know you do a lot of things related to short-term work and things of that nature through your local church and with the school. Uh, but you're also, uh, as I mentioned just a moment ago, the president of Reaching and Teaching International Ministries. So what, what exactly is that, David?
1: Well, it's a ministry that grew out of uh, just seeing the need for ongoing training for pastors around the world, many guys that they have no access to any kind of a seminary education because they either don't read or write well enough, or they don't live near the capital city, or they, they don't have resources uh, financial to get to any kind of training, or there's just no training available in their language base. And so, as I traveled around the world uh, with the seminary as well as taking my own mission teams. I began to see this need, and we created a nine-week, one-week-at-a-time program where we cover the whole gamut of pastoral training, and we do that over three years. So, we'll take a team every four months or so and spend a week on the ground. We'll gather all the pastors together in that particular location and Sometimes it needs to be oral types of training. So like in Peru in the jungle, we it's just an all oral delivery kind of setting, giving it to them in a culturally appropriate way. And then in some places like Sao Paulo or Panama City, we can use more of a literate base, but it's just pastoral training that mobilizes people in the US to go and be a part of of teaching pastors on the field. We have about well, we have 11 missionary families now and 5 guys that work stateside and we're just watching this thing grow, wow, but it's bigger great. than we can get our arms around.
0: That's fantastic. And and you have a website also if people want to find out more about that ministry, what is that website?
1: It's reachingandteaching.org.
0: Reaching and A and D, not the and sign, reachingandteaching.org. And it's right. fascinating. That's that is excellent to hear about uh, about what you guys are doing uh, all over the world. And not only are you busy in your travels and also in in that type of training, and then of course your your uh, professorial work at uh, at Southern, but uh, you've got this new book that, uh, Lord willing, is supposed to be released with InterVarsity Press later this year in 2015. Is that right? That's
1: right. I certainly hope it will be out before Urbana this this end of this year.
0: So the title is changing world unchanging mission responding to global challenges, changing world, unchanging mission, responding to global challenges, definitely a book uh, helping us to understand uh, not only god 's word but also god 's world as well so so give us an overview what is this book all about? okay, um,
1: as I do get the opportunity to travel around, I spend a lot of time in in these airport lounges, where you sit and wait for your next flight and drink copious amounts of coffee, and <laughs> all these businessmen are in there, and they oftentimes either leave behind or the I don't have
0: enough provide, miles to get into those lounges yet. So. Well,
1: that's the good and the down, the the upside and the downside of traveling so much is it does get you in there, but they they leave behind these magazines that are usually uh, usually business, multinational uh, corporation type magazines or or trade journals that sort of thing. But as I looked through those, just sort of flipping through and waiting for the next flight, I began to notice over and over and over for months that the industry, both the government world as well as corporate world, they're always anticipating crises or trends, and they invest lots of money in research and development so that they can be ready for the next global development, and they'll even talk about... Uh, natural resources that may be running out and how their industry can be prepared for when that happens. And as the more I read these and thought about that, and I found myself in all the countries I go to talking with missionaries who are responding to crises in kind of a reactive way, like putting out the fire after the fire is fully developed. And I began to wonder, why can't we be more proactive, anticipate some of the challenges that are coming instead of just recognizing what is. And then we can have, for instance, we can move our our missionary force or we can develop strategies and methodologies to be prepared for, say, some of the migration trends that we see happening or even natural resource depletion. But as I began to think about that, I began to think through, okay, what are some of these trends? What are, what are, so, say 10 trends that are happening in the world that I think missionaries would be wise to either notice that they have already happened. In some cases, mission agencies weren't really even reacting to them mm-hmm. yet. They were still trying to figure out why they were having the struggles they were. In other cases, the trends are happening right now, and they're trying to get a handle on it. And in other, probably most of the cases in the book, these trends are still coming, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to help us think through, okay, how can we, as mission administrators, or field missionaries, or churches that send missionaries, mm-hmm. how can we be better prepared for the future that's coming?
0: Right, and and you, you know, just you know, I've read this work. It's an outstanding work. Uh, highly recommend it. Uh, just looking at the table of contents, you've got chapters related to growth of cities, urbanization, globalization, uh, work on travel, communication, missionary life, short-term missions oral learners, uh, a chapter dealing with uh, how do you help without hurting, uh, churches ascending agencies, you deal with business as mission, uh, governmental shifts, and then, of course, you know, the growth of the majority world world church as well. Uh, let's go back to that, that comment earlier that you were talking about of, of, uh, of us being more reactive. You, you made a statement in the book saying that, you know, we— we, you know, we, is that exactly that. It, unfortunately, far too often uh, the missions enterprise is more reactive than proactive. Why, why do you think that's the case? Why do you think we're more reactive?
1: I think a lot of times we get so uh, up to our elbows ministering to the needs that are before us, and they're, they're massive. When you look at the, the mm-hmm. lostness of the world, places where we've not even reached in yet with the gospel, other places we have reached, but... We didn't do a thorough job of discipling and pastor training, and so syncretism crept in and now we're trying to figure out how do we get that sorted out, Mm. that 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 keeps us so busy that we don't even notice that the world continues to change, and that that would be true for for Coca-Cola or GM or anybody else if they did not have a department that was dedicated just to research and analyzing the trends and markets. Uh, as they develop, are governments right. that did not have some branch of their government that is watching out for how how these things are developing.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a stewardship issue. I mean, I think it's it's that, you know, if in in light of, you know, what you talk about reaching and teaching uh, people based on what the Great Commission says, we, 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 there's a stewardship of, of being aware of these realities that are shifting so we can be better stewards and using our resources and energies and efforts and times and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I think so. Yeah, go
1: ahead. I, I think that that's, that is the case. Uh, you know, we've been given an opportunity. We've got missionaries in place that know the languages. They know the cultures. They already have their connections with cultural informants, people in the community who may be well-placed government people or business people. But we just need to utilize that. And how can we harness what we already have out and be the best stewards we can of it? So that when the next missionaries are coming down the mm-hmm. down the pipeline, right. we can hand off to them the knowledge of knowing not the mission book they read that describes how that world was 20 years ago, but, but how it's how it is today and what's going to be here next year.
0: Yeah, you know, I often talk about you know tell today's stories later today. In other words, what we're finding out that's working and not working, we need to find out how to share those stories as you know as quickly as possible because you know you're right. By the time we you know by the time we write a book and it gets out there that that world has already moved on and people are then trying to apply those truths so yeah so now fascinating chapters and i wish we had time to dig into all these chapters but um but i want to ask you about some in particular that i think are um that that are you know well uh, again i wish i wish i could just let you just talk on these these are just fantastic but I i want to take you to the chapter on oral learners so you know, I think this is a this is a massive global issue. I totally agree with you, but I know that some of the people that are listening to this, the, the issue of orality, oral learners—that's that's a new idea. What, what what do you mean when you say oral learners? What are or who are oral learners? Okay, when well, we were
1: missionaries with the International Mission Board in Ecuador years ago, we worked with the Highland Quechua people, and the Highland Quechua people are sort of the lowest rung of society among general. Ecuadorian society, and so they have not been educated, um, or they had not when we were first there. They're beginning to improve with some, some government help, but in those days, these people, they did not read or write much of anything. Uh, certainly, they were not uh, readers. Mm-hmm. For them, reading anything would be like you reading Beowulf or something like that. That's <laughs> not how they're going to choose to learn new information. So they live in an oral world. And oftentimes, as I would lo- work with other missionaries, and they realize that too, sometimes we think, oh, well, they don't know how to read. So once we teach them to read, it's like flipping a switch. Mm-hmm. Now they will be literate people. But then we realize, the more we worked with them, that's not true. Mm-hmm. They still mm-hmm. process information differently. And so in 2004 in Lausanne, uh, Lausanne's gathering in Pattaya, Thailand that year, I was able to go and and be a part of the Orality Issues Group, where all of these great organizations like the IMB and YWAM and Campus Crusade, as it was back then, and all the organizations like Wycliffe and um, uh, what eventually became Story Runners, these Mm -hmm. kinds of people were present, and they were talking about how can we reach the majority of the world. And they were showing the research that they had already gathered that if you can take a book and you, that you've never seen before, and you can read it, and understand the argument of the author, process that information that you're reading, and then write a response, mm-hmm. even a paragraph, you are one out of every five people on the planet. Wow. Most, most of the people in the world cannot do that. Mm. And yet, over 90% of all of our resources for discipleship and evangelism, leadership training, all of that, over ninety percent, has been prepared for people like us, the highly literate people. Mm -hmm. And so, you'll see mission trips, people going out to places where the people are more oral in their approach to life, and they're giving out tracts and inviting them to Bible studies when the people, they just don't read or write. So, we have to understand some basics about them, and that Orality Issues Group eventually took life as the International Orality Network, headed now by Sam Chang. Wonderful uh, organization that, con- it's, and it's what it says; it's what it's called. It's a network of agencies and missionaries that want to know more about how do we work with oral people, okay. and they help us to understand that oral people are concrete thinkers; they don't think in abstract thought. Mm-hmm. You you can't go into an oral learner and say, well, today I would just like to talk about redemption because they don't do that. They don't think in those kinds of terms. So Jesus, speaking to oral learners, would say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he would give them something concrete in reality they could relate Mm -hmm. to. Or he would say, there was a man who had two sons. And in that way, everybody could imagine what he's talking about. Or if he, instead of telling a three-point sermon, he would tell three stories to make one point, mm-hmm. like in Luke 15, with the lost coin, lost sheep, and lost son. And so, what we what we as we work with oral people, we try to get inside their thought processes to to communicate in ways that they understand. There are two other pieces of oral um, ministry. One is that they do need to be able to understand what we're saying, mm-hmm. and they don't use outline outlines, and bullet points and linear sequential logic like a You know, like a syllogism, Socrates was a man, all men die, therefore all die.
0: Or like like what what I do and many other people do when we preach. I mean, we preach in a very linear fashion.
1: That's right. And we we have, uh, you know, three points that are either deductive or inductive. And so we conclude with therefore, and all the people in our congregation smile and they get it. But in other cultures, that's not true. And so uh, what we want to do is be able to communicate it Mm -hmm. in a way that they understand it and can remember it. And can retell it. If any one of those three things is missing, then our ministry stops with that teaching hour. Mm. We want it to continue. So you yeah. think about the sermon you heard Sunday. How many of us can repeat the outline from Sunday,
0: mm-hmm.
1: even if we preached it? Yeah, we, we can't remember, but we don't have to. We can write it down.
0: And, but we can it's, remember the stories. We can remember the stories.
1: We do. Yeah. The stories, the illustrations, the jokes even from yeah. years ago. And God's made us that way. And so all reaching oral learners is simply stressing the fact that now we know that most of the world is oral. That doesn't mean they're less intelligent. Right. It means they learn differently. Mm-hmm. And so how can we really impact that part of the world? Yeah.
0: So I, I'm I'm so excited that this chapter is in this book. It, you know, it, it's pushing us and challenging us to not only recognize that's uh, who the world consists of but also helping us to really rethink what it means to to be able to teach others and reach other people i, I want to go to um uh, another another uh, section of the book that you write and it's in the chapter on travel and communication and and this you make an interesting statement and you you're talking about uh, missionaries and the, the the access that they have to such rapid transportation uh instant uh communication and, and you you make the statement you you say uh that too many missionaries returning to the quote womb of their comfort zone with a technological umbilical cord unquote is is a is a problem what what do you mean by by that
1: yeah that this caught me off guard because i'm a grandfather right <laughs> so I, I
0: i wasn't but i do
1: understand it because i do it myself, but when we once went to the field, we just went out, on, you know, not, not my generation, but the generation before me, they would oh. go out on a ship and they would say their goodbyes at the dock. And when they got off the ship, they were in the new culture. And if they needed to recharge their emotional batteries or, or make friends, or they had to do it in the new culture. And they were forced into learning the food and the language and the music and the rhythm of life. But now, people really never even leave their old culture because Mm -hmm. you can wave goodbye at the airport security line, but then text mom when you land. You can Skype or check your Facebook or your Twitter account or blog posts or the local news from the Internet. You can use a voice over the Internet type telephone like a, Mm -hmm. a Vonage telephone to call for free back home. And if you get too burnt out on the culture... You can always go back and watch reruns of your favorite television show and that kind of thing. And, yeah. and you, several unintended hours later, you realize it's bedtime, yeah. and you're never forced out into the world to have to learn the language and make relationships. Yeah. And that it, that is a challenge for administrators in missions today. They've got to think through what kind of parameters – are we going to put on our missionaries? Not that we try to police it and send mm-hmm. somebody with every missionary to log on and make sure they're not on online more than so much time. We've got to trust our missionaries, but they need to be given some guidance. You, This is how much you should reasonably expect to be online. The rest of the time, you need to get out and make, yeah. make you, the culture you, part of you.
0: You use the statement uh, or the phrase leaving and cleaving uh, when talking about uh, uh, learning a new new context, new, new culture. And, um, you know, I've not served in that capacity before, but I could see how uh, that could could be indeed not a, a double edged sword. You know, a blessing, obviously, but also a hindrance to uh, to learning and understanding the, the the people are there, the context and the culture as well.
1: Yeah, and it's got you've got to have it. I mean, I will say, I see their point when the some missionaries will push back and they'll say, "Yeah, but." you know, you don't understand this is how we stay in touch with our home churches. We share prayer support. We we let our supporters know how we're doing. And so that's absolutely right. And as a father and a grandfather of my son and grandchildren who are on the mission field, uh, I appreciate being able to be in touch with them. So I, I know that it cuts both ways, but for their long-term success, I know that they've got to get out into the culture.
0: David, I tell you what, it's it's been a blessing uh, talking with you today about about this work, and I commend you on this. And I, I want to strongly recommend uh, this this resource to those of you that are listening to this. Uh, uh, David is not an individual who who writes from from an ivory tower experience. Uh, he is he is out and about in the world. So when he talks about the the growth of the majority world church and the challenges of being in the West relating to churches throughout the majority world. Uh, when he talks about uh, being involved in in situations where there's great poverty and how do you help without hurting, Uh, when he talks about matters related to the growth of the urban context, he he speaks out of personal experience and not just a a cognitive experience. And so uh, when you get this book, and again, I want to urge you to do that, I think that you will find that what he is saying in this book is very much on the cutting edge uh, of kingdom advancement in in the days to come uh, because these are some of the massive global issues that are influencing and shaping the face of the church today and, and where we're going. So I want to encourage you to get it, the copy of the book, Changing World, Unchanging Mission, Responding to Global Challenges with InterVarsity Press. Uh, you can find out more about David at his uh, website, reachingandteaching.org. And then, of course, uh, at the beginning of this uh, this program, I mentioned uh, his other writings, which you can also find on his website as well. David, thank you so much for, for being with us today. We greatly appreciate you being on Strike the Match.
1: Thank you, brother. May God bless you and your ministry. You
0: too, man. Take care.
1: Bye-bye. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit JDPayne.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.